Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Kim Addis of Frame of Mind Coaching and Journal Engine Software about leading and coaching for emotional resilience in times of adversity. Kim Addis, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. And I'm excited to have you. It's, it was a pleasure to get connected with you on LinkedIn. And since then, we've had the opportunity to exchange emails. And uh, now having the chance to have a, a nice discussion with you, I think this will be a fun half hour. Uh, I'm going to start with a, a brief introduction uh, for Kim, for all my listeners. Uh, Kim Addis is the president and founder of Frame of Mind Coaching and Journal Engine Software. Author, speaker, entrepreneur, coach, and mom of five, Kim has 15 plus years of experience coaching many of North America's most successful leaders. Recognized as an expert in the area of thought mastery and mental toughness, Kim uses her unique, her unique philosophy and quirky coaching style to help her clients deal with core issues and shift their thinking in order to yield extraordinary results. And I want to learn more about your quirky coaching style. You can't tell that it exists already. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Um, And and I love, I love that your focus is on uh, resilience and thought mastery, mental toughness. I think that's particularly relevant right now in this uh, era of pandemic crisis as we're all trying to, you know, we're sheltering in place and trying to figure out how to keep our families and neighborhoods safe while also, you know, trying to keep the economy afloat. It's, it's an interesting time for sure. And I don't know about you. You said you had five children. Uh, I have six children. Um, and it's tough, right? It's tough working from home, helping the kids with school. Um, just the anxiety and the stress levels are high and we're all trying to make it work the best we can. Uh, and it's a challenge. Yeah. My kids are a little older, but it's still tough. I mean, they're wondering what's going to happen with their lives. If, you know, if they have jobs to go back to, if they have university online in September or not. And sure. I mean, yes, lots of questions that are unanswered and that's part of the stress. Yeah, and I think really everyone is dealing with stress in their own ways. Uh, and so having a discussion today about resilience and mental t- toughness, I think will be great, particularly as it pertains to the workplace. Um, as we launch uh, the discussion today, I thought I would just start with this idea of emotional resilience. Uh, what do you think leaders within organizations can do specifically uh, to both for themselves as well as for their workforce? to foster emotional resilience and help 
uh, respond to adversity? So I, I like to answer that question by first starting off with like, what is emotional resilience? We hear this term a lot, but a lot, you know, not everybody understands the meaning or how to define it. So personally, here's how I define emotional resilience. It's the ability to bounce back from adversity with speed and agility. And I'm going to add a little piece to it and turn it into an advantage. So we all get knocked down, especially now, right? We all get knocked down. It's a function of being human, being alive. The question is, how long do we stay down for? And when we're down, how do we process the events that have just taken place? And what do we do to turn them into a strategic advantage for ourselves? And what I have found is that people who are super successful, it's not that they've never had adversity. They've had more than most, actually. But they have that muscle where adversity does not keep them down. And they learn to take that adversity, understand it quickly, and examine where the opportunity lies in that adversity, and they run with that opportunity. And so that is really what we're talking about when we're talking about emotional resilience. So now your question is, how do we help people build emotional resilience? Well, the first thing we need to do is examine how they interpret the negative experiences they've had in their lives, the adversity, whether it's professional or personal, what happened and how did it impact you? In other words, what is the story you're telling about that bad experience? And how does it continue to live on inside of you? Does it create caution? Does it create fear? Does it make you gun shy? Does it make you you know, afraid to be in a certain kind of relationship? Does it prevent you from taking certain risks? How did that affect you? And what we want to do to some extent is re-examine those past experiences and reframe them in such a way that they are formative and uh, contribute to your intelligence now and create some level of strength inside of you and teach you the tools of doing that every single time you're faced with an adversity. I love that. I love your definition and I love the approach in helping people think through what they've experienced. And as you mentioned, one thing that's universal to the human condition is adversity. We all face it. Uh, it we just face it in unique ways. Um, and we're all dealing with our own types of challenges and adversity, suffering, hardship, uh, pain. Uh, and it reminded me too, I spent uh, time earlier in my career. Uh, living in South Korea. Uh, and uh, so I learned a lot about the culture and the language. And and one of the things I started to latch on to in terms of both the language and culture was these proverbs. They have all these proverbs based on Buddhist and Confucius teachings that were really uh, inspiring. And, you know, as a young professional, you know, they helped inform how I wanted to try to approach the challenges that I was facing. One of them uh, is Chilchan uh, Palgi, and that literally means fall down seven, get up eight. The idea is simple, and that is we all fall down. We all fall down repeatedly. And anyone who thinks you can get through life without falling down flat on your face uh, is, is just sorely mistaken. And sometimes we think, we look up to those, you, you mentioned it, we look up to those who are in leadership positions, people who have been successful, and we think, wow, they're, they're so privileged. 
they, they've had such an easy path um, and, and look where they are now. And we, we look at that longingly and, and sometimes with a bit of resentment, um, but they're, they have often faced just as much, if not more hardship, trial and adversity in getting to the types of positions uh, and opportunities that they're now in. Um, but one of the things that they've done is they've learned how to respond to the failures. They've learned when they fall down, they get back up. They fall down again, they get back up uh, over and over and over again. And I don't know about you. I mean, we're, we've both been fairly successful in our careers, I think. I think that's fair to say. Um, and I'm not going to speak for you, but I know for me, I, I get rejected all the time. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a dual track. I'm an academic and I'm a, a, a practitioner. Um, and, and I have failures on both sides, right? I, I get turned down for jobs. I get, um, when I'm submitting articles for journals, I get rejected. Um, you know, for every one success I have, I usually have five failures behind the scenes, right? And so if we allow those failures and rejections to define us, then we're going to miss out on all the wonderful opportunities that will come eventually if we keep persevering. And that's exactly right. So me too, I've had many and continue to have many, many failures, right? But the question is, like, I remember early on in my career, a failure would hurt a lot more, if that makes any sense, right? Like it would puncture me, it would wound me. I would take it much more, you know, like it would, it would affect me in the heart, if you, if you will, right? Now, okay, so like we get a rejection and really the response is, okay, next, what's next, what's next, what's next? And so it doesn't affect me the same way. The blow doesn't hurt the same way it used to. I don't know if you've ever seen like these really, really strong men or women who have super strong abs and they're like, punch me, and it doesn't even affect them. That's the feeling, right? It's the same feeling. And what we're doing is we're really building that muscle where we are not affected by the same kinds of blows as we once were. I love, I love that. Um, and that's, that seems to hold true in my own experience. Um, and it's, that's the same kind of message I try to share with uh, people I work with also. Uh, I, I just don't think there's any way around the hard things in life. Um, and we all have different forms of privilege, um, and we all have different forms of hardship. And so we try to leverage our, our opportunities and always look for new opportunities that right. might come about. And they will, they always do that a new opportunity will manifest itself as long as we stay positive, as long as we keep pressing forward and, right. uh, and it, something else that I've also found in my life is sometimes I'll have a plan and I, I'm thinking linearly, I'm, 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 I do these next five steps and that'll get me to where I want to go. And I don't, you're nodding your head, so you know where I'm going with this. But <laughs> plans, I, plans, like, seriously? I mean, <laughs> plans are good. Plans, it's good to plan. It's good to, to think into the future. It's, it's good to set goals, but pretty much every good thing that is in my life has not gone according to plan. Um, you, and usually, there's, I, I have some major disappointment because the trajectory that I have thought I was on um, and the, the plan I had put in place to get me there had fallen on its face at some point. And then because of that failure, I was open to a whole new opportunity that I wouldn't have been. And then that ended up taking me in a new direction that was far better than what my initial plan was. 
So there's two things I want to say about that is that very often when we experience a disappointment or a failure, we spend way too much time looking like literally physically looking back at that failure, that disappointment, that rejection, whatever it is. And when we do that, we're not looking ahead and we close ourselves off to those new opportunities that are literally right in front of us. And so part of what we want to teach people is to kind of lay down, set down that failure and look ahead so that your arms, your body, your eyes, your, you're wide open to what's in front of you. And like, actually there are so many opportunities like whizzing by you every moment of the day, but because we're not open, we don't see them because we're so busy, you know, worried, stressed, looking at our failures, thinking that things aren't possible and on and on and on that we cannot even realize all the opportunities that are in front of us. So that's one thing I want to say. The other thing I want to say is you said the word, you know, nobody goes through life without hardship. And while that's true, you know, the, the goal is to make less things hard, to experience less hardship, even though the same circumstances are in front of you. So, you know, to realize that this experience is temporary and to be able to move through it with greater speed and not let it completely bring you to your knees. And the more you do this kind of work, the easier it is to allow these negative or hard experiences and hard experiences roll off your back. That's what I'm trying to help people build. Yeah, I love that. And I think of the, the idea of, of bearing the burden with ease, right? The, the actual um, hard things, the burdens don't go away. They don't become lighter, but our ability to carry them and to shed them uh, becomes easier and easier, right? Exactly. That's, that, yeah. that sounds like what you're suggesting. Yes. And yes. That's, that's also been my experience as well. So in, in this uh, realm of, of emotional toughness and resilience, um, what do you think is like the biggest mistake that coaches often make, uh, that leaders often make when they're coaching others? So I would say that they tend to make several mistakes. And if you don't mind, I'll share some of them with you. The first mistake that leaders, coaches, and I put them in the same category because I find that amazing leaders are also amazing coaches. The first mistake that they make is they focus on trying to change people's behaviors. You're like, what? Isn't that the purpose of a coach? Um, and what I want to say is this, is that people struggle to reach their goals by and large, not because they lack skill sets, not because they don't know what to do but because they have a set of beliefs that prevent them from taking the correct action to get to their goals. And so as a leader, I typically, like not I, but I'm, I'm globalizing the leader, I typically just want a certain outcome. So I say, just do this, but I'm not really in that action addressing the beliefs that are holding someone back. 
And so the first mistake is they focus on behaviors instead of beliefs. And if we try to change behaviors alone, we sometimes get change, but my experience is that change is usually temporary. It's not sustainable unless the thinking coincides or aligns with the new behavior. So we need to really address a person's beliefs first. And what I find also is that when we're able to help someone shift their beliefs in a way that lines up with the goal, their behavior naturally changes. So it's kind of like if we want a dog to wag his tail, we don't grab the tail and shake it, right? That's not what we do, right? There's a different approach. The tail naturally wags when we engage with the dog in a certain way. It's the same principle here. And so that's mistake number one. Mistake number two is that coaches, leaders tend to be very highly driven, results driven, and what they tend to do is jump to solutions. So here's your problem, well, here's what you need to do, here's the solution. And I always encourage leaders not to jump to solution before going through this process of really identifying how a person's thinking is potentially getting in the way of their success. So don't jump ahead, don't just give answers. Take a little bit of time, what seems like a little more time to go through this process of examining a person's beliefs and challenging some of the beliefs that are slowing things down for him or her. And again, for a leader, it appears that that takes more time and it's you know a bigger investment and it does up front, but then it speeds things up way down the line. The third mistake that leaders make, and you're gonna be a bit shocked here, is that leaders fall into the trap of empathizing. You're gonna be like, what? Okay, so let's just define empathy for a minute. Empathy is an emotional experience where you put yourself in the shoes of another person and you experience their emotional state. It's not an intellectual experience of understanding, it's an emotional experience. That's what empathy is. So imagine you're walking by a pool and you see someone drowning in the pool. What is their emotional state? Yeah, it's terror, it's panic. It's terror, panic, um, desperation. And the moment that I empathize is the moment I feel terror, panic, desperation. And in that moment, I disable myself from being able to help them. That's the moment I've jumped in the pool and started drowning right beside them. So empathy is a bit of a leadership trap and it's, and it's a very big one because everybody tells leaders you need to have empathy. It's one of the biggest misunderstandings out there. We need to have compassion, right? We need to see that someone's drowning, but we need to be able to envision them safely out of the pool. We need to approach them, stand safely and securely on the edge of the pool and reach in and pull them out. But jumping in beside them doesn't serve me or them. So those are, and there are lots of other traps, but those are the three basic mistakes that leaders make over and over and over again when trying to coach their team and bring out their greatest potential and increase the results that each individual on the team is getting. Yeah, and, and I like all three. And to, your, to, the, to the empathy one, I know you're, you're feeling like maybe that's a little bit of an edgy point to be making, um, but you make a good distinction, right? We, we absolutely need to have compassion and we can even have empathy 
for elements of what they might be feeling. Um, but that, but if, if we disable our ability to actually help them make positive steps towards change, then we're not actually helping them, right? Um, so that's super important. And I think the empathy compassion distinction that you made is a good one. Um, the second point I also, you know, I really liked, and it's something I think about a lot. We so often jump to solutions. Um, and you're absolutely right that it takes way more time in the long run if that's our approach for a number of reasons. One of which though is simply people don't feel bought in to whatever the type of change is that's gonna occur if we're providing the solution for them rather than helping them think through their own um, hurdles, their own emotional hurdles and coming up, helping them come up with their own uh, mode of attack and, and plan to move forward. Um, we're, we're, we're not empowering them to take control over their situation. They become overly reliant on us. And that's even assuming we have the right answer, which is not a safe assumption. Um, and to your point about, you know, really understanding um, the, their beliefs and where they're coming from and how that might be holding them back, you know, the, the thinking that we just know the right solution is, is rather um, intellectually arrogant, you know, it's, it's leadership arrogance. And, and a lot of times leaders, you know, have found great success in life. Um, and so then they think that they can apply what they've learned from their situations to all those around them. And if other people just do things the way I did it, then they'll be successful and they'll get through their problems. Uh, you know, that might work to a certain extent, but, uh, but everyone's situation is unique and everyone's past is absolutely unique. And unless we help people think through where they're at and how they're approaching their challenges, then they're just not going to have a sustainable um, reaction, you know, to overcome them, I think. I would say to you that one of the greatest gifts you can give someone as a leader is to spend some time and truly understand them. There's a distinction between understanding and empathy there. Understanding is really be able, being able to state a certain kind of comprehension about where they are coming from. Again, distinction between empathy and, and understanding. And once a person feels completely understood, that's the moment that they're open to looking at things a little bit differently. That's the moment where we can identify their beliefs and push them a little, challenge them a little, a little bit, help them see things perhaps in a way that serves them better, right? But if they do not feel understood, there's a block. They're closed down and change won't happen. So that piece where we spend the time to understand how they view the world, what they believe to be true, their past experiences, you know, their wiring, if you will, is super important. Yeah, absolutely. And in our pre-conversations um, and emails uh, in preparation for today, one of the things you mentioned was journaling. Um, how do you feel like coaches and leaders can utilize journaling uh, in helping themselves and helping others um, to, to be resilient and, and mentally tough and move towards positive change? Let me kind of describe how we coach people because that'll give a little bit of context. Uh, one of the things that we do in addition to our coaching calls is we ask our clients to journal every single day with their coach. So at the beginning of the week, they get a 
and question or a prompt, and then they journal in a private and secure online journal, and they share their journal with their coach, who then reads and responds to their journal every single day. So it's a pretty intimate, intense process. But why is this relevant? Well, if as a client, I am journaling every day, what I'm doing is, is I'm writing down my thoughts. And as I write them down, I separate myself from what's going on. And I start to be able to not only get better at expressing myself, but I start to be able to look back and start to observe my patterns, my tendencies, the places where I get trapped over and over again, the stories I tell, the relationships I have. And so, and through the process of journaling, I move myself to a better, stronger, more empowered state. For a leader and a coach, when I am able to see the journal of my client, I'm able to collect relevant data. How is this person thinking across a number of situations and scenarios? How does the person behave? How do they react? And really fundamentally what I'm interested in is what does a person believe to be true? And how do these beliefs inform or impact their behavior? Because if they're not getting the results that we both want, we need to understand why. And it always, the source is always a set of beliefs that cause a person not to behave in accordance or in alignment with the desired goal. So I want to look at those beliefs and through their writing, I'm able to see them and find them faster. You know, leaders like speed, right? And so that process enables us all to move so much faster than anything else I've ever seen. Yeah, I love journaling uh, and critical self-reflection can take a variety of forms, journaling being one of the most powerful ones. Um, and I think that's incredibly important for everybody. I mean, I, I journal myself, um, I encourage my students to journal, I encourage leaders I, I work with to journal um, for all the reasons you just mentioned. I think it's one of the, it's a, such a simple tool to utilize and uh, it's one that most people just kind of look past. But when you really just take the time to just do it, and you don't have to spend tons of time doing it every day. You just take a little bit of time to do it every day and you get consistent with it and you start to unlock um, your own psyche and you start to better understand yourself. You start to better understand your people. And you know, in how I view leadership, self-understanding is a key component. Self-awareness and self-understanding is a key component to being able to serve and lead other people. Um, I, would say, I would say it's the foundation. Yeah. Yeah. You can't, and you can't understand them unless you understand yourself. Right. hundred percent. Yeah. Just to go back to the journaling piece, like it's really powerful to just journal, right? Amazing. But when you have somebody else's eyes on your journal and they ask you some pretty profound critical questions, what happens is your journal becomes infinitely more valuable for providing insight. Right. And that's really what I want to, teach leaders. That's what I teach coaches. And that's absolutely fundamental to the process we use in coaching. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, we are about out of time for today, Kim. Um, there's so much more we could explore and discuss <laughs> together. Uh, and I hope that perhaps you'd be willing to come back on at some point in the future so we could continue the discussion. I'd love to. <laughs> yeah, this has been a lot of fun. Um, as we close off today, um, 
where can my listeners go to find out more about you and your organization? Um, give us a little pitch and help us understand how, where we can find out more about you. So frameofmindcoaching.com is the best place to find me. You can send me an email with any question you have about leadership, coaching, anything. My email address is kim at frameofmindcoaching.com. Uh, I invite you to provide some feedback. I'd love to hear your challenges on leadership. And uh, I'm, I'm here to serve in any way that anybody needs. But I appreciate the opportunity to spend this time with you. It was really fun. Wonderful, wonderful. Uh, it's Yeah, it's been a blast. Thank you so much. I encourage uh, my listeners to go and, and check you out, find out more about you and, and utilize uh, the resources that you provide. Uh, it's been a true pleasure and uh, I hope you have a great rest of your week. Thank you. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.